Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Taking the Stand, the final episode of Taking the Stand for 2021. And goodness gracious me, what a year it has been. Fan launched, we got our badger of liberty growling and going, um, and we are, for the first time, really trying to reach out to South Africans that have, for too long, been left out of the political conversation. It's been quite a year. We started this year with uh, three chief podcasts. We've got Freedom Fanatics, we've got Burning Questions, and we've got Taking the Stand. And first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who've been following our podcasts and also our articles and our social media activities since we launched in June. Already, we've reached almost 2 million South Africans in only these few months. And I, for one, am immensely proud of that achievement. I'm immensely proud of the team, a dedicated young group of South Africans who care about freedom and who care about the core tenets of FAN, empowering individuals to become problem solvers in their own lives and communities, Two, building relationships of trust between people from various backgrounds to confront issues together. And three, connecting freedom-loving South Africans from all over so that we can stand and fight together and demand a limited, honest, accountable, and transparent, effective government. That's fans' dream. And if we look at this last year, we see a few things. We see the good things, you know, fan getting going. We see citizen engagement. We see 12 million people voting in the recent elections. But we also see some worrying things. And when it comes to taking the stand, that is what I want to talk about today. The willingness of South Africans to take the stand. Now, Justice is not just a judicial concept, and the premise of taking the stand as a podcast is not just based on the law, even though that is a very important part of the law, uh, of, of freedom, the law being an important part of freedom, and justice being an important part of that whole mix. And while we certainly here at FAN have started working on the FAN Justice Project, starting to get some exciting projects and exciting cases going. There's something more fundamental that we must understand if we want to understand South Africa. The long and short of it is that we have 40 million South Africans who are eligible to vote. Of that 40 million, 12 million voted in the most recent elections. Now that means 28 million South Africans stayed away from the ballot box this year. That's, of course, the right of every South African. We don't live in a country where the law forces anyone to engage in politics or in elections. And that's good. The right to participate in an election and the right to not participate in an election are one and the same. Just like my freedom of speech respects the freedom of speech of someone to say things I don't agree with, well, the same goes for democratic participation. But we have to look deeper as to why South Africans are not voting. And there's no clear-cut answer on that. And a lot of that could be put down to failures of the government, of the state. The promises of 1994 being betrayed over the last 30 years, despite some initial good signs in the first decade of democracy. So 
One can say the government, the state, has failed in this regard, has failed to make true and make good on their promises made in the first democratic dispensation in South Africa. But that doesn't answer the whole thing. One can put it down to failures by the Independent Electoral Commission, and there's certainly a lot of criticism to go around there. The IEC, as it stands, tried to have this year's elections postponed to next year, breaking the fundamental constitutional framework within which South Africa's democracy must take place. One can also criticize the IEC for not participating widely enough or promoting widely enough the purposes of voting and the reasons to vote. The IEC has tried to register voters every election, and sometimes they are more successful than at other times. But surely, I think we can agree that the IEC is not without its faults, and there's some criticism there as well. We can criticize the opposition parties, the Democratic Alliance, the ACDP, the Congress of the People, the Economic Freedom Fighters, the Encarta Freedom Party, for the Freedom Front Plus. We can go on. And we can criticize these parties for not offering voters something intriguing enough to vote for in response to the failures of the ANC. And there certainly is a lot of criticism to go around there. I've worked in opposition politics and in opposition political campaigning. And the problem is that too often these campaigns are not about growing your own support and growing the democratic participation in South Africa. Too often it's about trying to get votes here and there in a shrinking pool of voters. Now the problem is when South Africa voted in 1994, the ANC got 63% of the vote. That was equal to roughly 54% of the votes of all South Africans eligible to vote. If we compare that to 2019, when the ANC got 57% of the vote, that was the equivalent of less than 30% of all eligible voters. Now, can, the problems can lie with the state and the government under the leadership of the ANC. It can be with the IEC. It can be with the opposition parties. But one thing I think we should honestly talk about is that the responsibility of democracy, of constitutional democracy and of freedom, ultimately rests with people like me and people like you. Democracy isn't something that one can force through from parliament or the union buildings or frankly the constitutional court. We need to understand that if democracy and freedom are going to work in South Africa, it's going to take more than just elections. It's going to take more than just politicians pitching to elect uh, mayors, executive committees, premiers, and presidents. Democracy, freedom, and justice, these things are going to depend on our motivation to pitch up and make a difference. It's become too easy for us to think that politics is someone else's problem. And I think 2021 and 2020 have shown us how that is unsustainable. The July riots earlier this year brought home in a dramatic fashion the closeness, the close proximity of lawlessness to many people who in the past have only read about it or heard about it via the media. But life in South Africa is complex, but it is made more complex perhaps 
by South Africans thinking that these complexities are for someone else to solve. Now, while the problems we face as a country might be complex, the solutions don't necessarily have to be, nor do they have to start out as insurmountable obstacles, difficult things to do. Throughout this election campaign and in the build-up to the formation of governments across the country in the various municipalities and metros, I've been speaking to many South Africans, many journalists and many politicians. And if there's one common thread that stands out to me, it is that South Africans have not yet taken ownership of our politics nor our democracy. Does that mean we now have to engage in these complex ideas of standing for office? Well, for some of us, perhaps, but that is not for all of us the case. Politics can happen at a very, very simple level. If we look around us and we see our lives organized by WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups and tweets, Instagram, TikTok messages, we can start understanding that everywhere where we live our lives, is somewhere where we can spread the activation of political awareness and change for freedom that we want to see. We can, to use the old quote, be the change we want to see in the world. If there's a place in your life where you see your life being organized, whether it's through a family or a community WhatsApp group, there's an opportunity there to apply the same to politics. If you are in a ward, as we all are, but if you're in a ward where you feel politics and governance, local governance, has not really been up to scratch, instead of thinking this is above my pay grade, this is someone else's problem, well, why not just start applying the rules we have to our own lives to the politics that influence our lives? Organize a WhatsApp group with some people in your area, in your street, and try to get your local councillor, your local party members, your mayor to come and visit you. Set them down. Speak to them. Understand that they are human beings that work for you. Because too often, politics has now become the hobby of politicians, and that cannot be. That is the quickest way for politics and freedom and justice and democracy to die in this country. Ronald Reagan always said that freedom is only one generation away from extinction, and I think we are seeing it now truly play out in front of our eyes. I'm not despondent about the state of South Africa. I am hopeful. There's a lot to be hopeful about. The South African people are remarkable people who care about solutions, who care about this country, and who care about each other. We have more in common when it comes to what we want from life and our government than what divides us. But we can no longer allow politics to be the province of the politicians. We have to send that email. And if we don't get a response to that email, we have to send another. And if we don't get a response to that email, we have to send another. It's like the film The Shawshank Redemption, where the main character makes the unpopular demand of creating a prison library. Now, the state in which the story plays 
didn't want to fund libraries for prisoners, but for years, a daily letter, a weekly letter, a monthly letter meant that they could not ignore forever. And it's the same with us here. If your first email goes unanswered, if it bounces, then write a letter. If that letter doesn't work, write a letter to your local newspaper. If that doesn't work, contact your local radio station. Get them to invite the politician whose attention you are trying to get for the problem you want their help in solving. Until we realize that what works for family, for church, for community, for a bri, also works for politics, politics will remain a different country. A country that we rarely travel to, a country where only politicians with political passports travel to. That is why when we had an election this year, 12 million people pitched up and 28 million people did not. Those aren't bad people, but those are people that have given up on politics. And if you're watching this, I'm guessing you have not given up on politics. Or if you have, I'm trying to convince you that you don't have to think that way. There's a lot of hope going around. There's a lot of chaos. But it is in the chaos and in the uncertainty of political change that the real opportunity lies. We are seeing a paradigm collapsing. We are seeing the end of the era of the ANC. And that has, has become an era marked by corruption, inefficiencies, a government too big and too expensive and too incompetent. The question is now what comes after? And that's really up to you and me. So as we head into the end of 2021, I want to thank you for joining us on this journey here at FAN. And I want to invite you to become involved. I want you to think about 2022 as the year where you can make politics in your life accessible. It doesn't need to be complex. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be practical. This is what it's all about. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Join us next year as we fight for it. And Merry Christmas to all of you who celebrated. Happy holidays to all of you who have the opportunity to now go into that resting time. And let's join again together next year when we take on this project of in South Africa, where we fight, where we take the stand. Why do we do this? Well, I think you know the drill by now, because your freedom is worth fighting for.